Hey podcast, I hope all is well. It's been a crazy few weeks for us at Living Sport and crazy in a good way. Just a week ago, we returned from our sport business trip to Nashville, Tennessee, where we traveled with 18 aspiring sport professionals from all over the country. And a big shout out to them, our Living Sport Nashville 2020 team. What a crew they were. Definitely some of the next great sport business leaders there. And I can't wait to see what they do next. While in Nashville, we met with the Nashville Predators, the AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers, the Nashville Sound, and the Tennessee Titans. Nissan Field was the only stadium that was still on lockdown due to COVID, but we had two Titan staffers that were gracious enough to come hang out with us at our hotel conference room. In this two-part podcast, you will meet Jim Rice, Senior Manager of Ticket Sales, and Matt Mango, Group Sales Manager at the Tennessee Titans. Both guys have really interesting paths to the Titans, and those paths didn't start in the NFL out of college. Learn about the buzz of the city during last year's playoff run and what happens when you're selling more tickets than ever to then the season being on the line. Let's jump into our meeting that took place on August 4th in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Great job. It's going to be a fantastic day because we have our friends from the Titans here. Welcome. We appreciate you now more than ever coming and giving us this social aspect during a time we all need it. So I know we're going to enjoy it, but I hope you enjoy us too. For sure. All right. I appreciate the invite. I know it's, a, like she mentioned, a different time for us. Uh, unfortunately, I know you guys got to, to tour the, uh, the Preds uh, Ford Ice Center. Uh, our stadium's still on lockdown right now, so Matt... Mango, I'm going to refer to him as Mango because that's all we call him. Yeah, nobody calls him that. He's actually back in the office right now. I'm still working from home. Uh, we're only allowed to have 50% capacity uh, for staff right now. So, again, apologize, but I uh, do appreciate the invite. So, <coughs> Jim Rice, Senior Manager of Ticket Sales. Matt Mango, our group sales manager of the Titans. So, just to give you some background on us, uh, I grew up in upstate New York, um, small town, Walton, New York, about 3,000 people, uh, one stoplight. Uh, once you get out of New York City, for those that haven't been in New York, uh, it's pretty much just farmland and country. So I think that's a big misconception. But uh, growing up, um, you know, high school, played sports since Little League, realized in high school, you know, like a lot of us that want careers in sports wasn't good enough, uh, unfortunately. So realized my career was washed up at that point, needed to retire, um, but wanted to stay involved with sports in some capacity. So started researching you know my <clears throat> my junior year how can I do that um, started looking at whether colleges have programs like that um, and discovered that SUNY Cortland I don't know how many of you know what SUNY Cortland is but beautiful uh, upstate New York around the Binghamton Syracuse area had a really good program um, so I decided to go there one of the things that drew me there I think that made a difference from then that made them stand out more so than, than other programs is every single professor there worked in the industry so they weren't teaching out of a textbook. It was they either had experience in the history or currently still work there. So they're teaching you based on their experiences and things that they learned, which I thought was super beneficial. Uh, the other thing that drew me there is the New York Jets uh, at the time held training camp there. So we got to work that. Um, we did practicum hours every semester. So the sport manager program actually ran all the athletic events there. Um, whether it's volleyball, baseball, softball, whatever it was, we ran those. Um, and then they had a, a coordinator whose specific job was to find us internships throughout our time there at SUNY Portland. So really beneficial, put me in a great spot by the time I graduated. 
Um, if I'm going to be honest, I did several internships there. Going to my senior year, still had to do one more. Had no idea what I wanted to do at all. You know, four years of college, multiple internships, still to the point where I'm just like, what do I actually want to do for a career? So um, my last internship was interning with the Binghamton Mets, um, who are now known as the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Anybody know why? You know? No, no I, I visit, I, I, I go to Binghamton. So okay. I, I visit a few games, but I don't know about the It's because the carousel was invented there? That's right, they are the carousel capital of the world. So that's why they're, they're known as the Rumble Ponies. Yeah, Trivia Blair over there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so during my time there, again, had no idea what I wanted to do. The way their internship works is they kind of rotate people around. So I did some time in stadium operations, marketing, community relations. My last stint there was ticket sales. Um, and so for the last couple weeks of the season and then even into the off season, I got to follow their sales guys around and just fell in love with it. Um, again, sales isn't for everybody. We love it. Um, you know, I think if you have a bubbly personality, if you're willing to communicate, if you can communicate, then sales is probably a, a good gig for you. I do think that it, it gets a bad rap and we can go over that stuff later. But um, if you have those things and you can talk to people, I think it's worth a shot. Um, I do think that sales as long as it's something you're passionate about, it's pretty easy. It's nothing to fear. I think if you're, you know, you're selling insurance windows, no offense anybody does that, but if you're not passionate about that, that's probably why it has that, you know, that, that fear, that, that bad rap. Um, but again, fell in love with sales there. Um, once my internship was done, sports is really about who you know and, and kind of using those relationships. That's why I think it's, it's great that you guys are doing these trips um, and then like Alicia said, it's, it's not easy to walk up and talk to somebody after one of these, but um, we do career fairs, we do networking events, we do a bunch of stuff throughout the year, because um, we're always hiring people. So we always, just like sales job, we want to fill that funnel. We have an inside sales program, we have full-time positions that come open, so we take these things pretty seriously. So if anybody comes up and talks to us, we already know that that person's standing out in line. So we probably get, when we go to career fair, we get, I know I'm kind of all over the place here, but. When we go to career fairs, we get like 500 resumes, and if somebody comes up and talks to me and makes a good impression, we will put that in a different pile, or we will crinkle the paper so that we know that's in the same pile, then that we want to follow up with that person. So, again, it's not easy, it's intimidating, but I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to stay in touch with Matt and I, or anybody that you've come in contact with this, this trip. But, um, so, sorry, after my internship, uh, had no idea, you know, at that point, what I was gonna do still. I knew I wanted to do sales at that point, so that was, hurdle number one, uh, but didn't really have an offer. Luckily, the GM for Binghamton uh, got a new GM job in Indiana for an independent team, uh, Gary, Indiana. So don't recommend going to Gary, Indiana, but it was a good start. Um, and at the time, it was either move halfway across the country, leave all my friends, family, or I was debating going back for my master's. And just talking to people at the time, experience to me seemed more important than more education. I'm not saying that's right, I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's, that's kind of what was important to me at the time. So. Packed up, uh, this was 07, I think February 07. Uh, moved to Gary, Indiana, I didn't move to Gary, Indiana, I moved to Maryland, Indiana, which is a half hour away, but worked for Gary, Indiana for a couple years. Um, just did group sales, um, just a regular AE. From there, um, after two years, went to Chicago for another team, was promoted to manage the group sales staff. Small staff, only three or four people. Um, from there, my second year, I actually was promoted to uh, director of ticketing, so oversaw all sales. Uh, again, smaller staff, my league baseball. 
and then from that point, that was still independent baseball. Wanted something a little more that I felt was a little more secure. Um, so moved out to Colorado and worked AAA for the Rockies in Colorado Springs for five years. Um, and then in 2015, all, that whole time uh, was group sales. So in Colorado, I managed the group sales staff. And then in 2015, the Titans, a lot of NFL teams are doing this now. Season tickets are kind of dropping a little bit, so they're starting to develop some group sales programs. So 2015, the Titans decided they wanted to develop a group sales program. I'd spent 11 years in baseball at that point, all group sales. Uh, so I applied for it and then came here in 2015 and got the group sales program started. Um, Nashville, great spot. I'm sure you guys have figured that out. From a business potential, it's just, it's just blowing up. I mean, it wasn't 2015. It still is now. There's just so much untapped potential, so I had that going for me. Uh, I had some family down here. Um, and then just, just the draw of being able to come in and start my own program, hire who I want, implement the programs I want was a big draw, so for me, that was just the perfect fit. I, I love my time in baseball. I'm a big baseball guy, I'm a big football guy. <coughs> um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without spending 11 years in my league baseball, uh, but football is always where I wanted to be, so for me, this job was just the perfect team. So, you know, it was kind of all over the place, but. I have a question for you. Go for it. You said you were able to build your own team. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand why. Did you bring anybody from other places Kind of, so um, when I first got here, all we had, all I was able to hire were inside salespeople, so it was part-time, 30 hours of work, 30 hours a week. Um, so th at that point, I, I, just through career fairs and networking events, we hired people that way. Again, w when we post something online, whether it's part-time, full-time, we get hundreds of applications. So for us, if I had an interaction with somebody, then that automatically sticks out in my mind. Now, I may not hire them on I'm probably gonna, I'm at least giving them a phone interview. Because um, typically we do a phone interview and then we'll do an in-person or Skype. So if I talk to somebody at an event, they're automatically getting an interview with me. Just because, that again, that takes a lot of courage to come and talk to me. Um, so that first year I didn't, just because again, it's not a full-time job. Once we started getting full-time jobs for that second year, so just to give you an idea, now we have an inside sales program of five people. Um, and then we have Mango who oversees groups now. And then four full-time, Rep. So just in five years, it, it's grown that much. Um, but once we started getting full-time, so Drew Silver that works for Matt now is a senior AE. I worked with, he interned with under me in Chicago. Um, and so it's funny because when I went to Colorado, I tried to get him to go out there to Colorado with me because he, he's just one of those personalities. He's positive. He, he'll do anything you ask. I mean, if I asked him to run through a wall, he would run through a wall. So, um, but, but he can sell too. Like he is... He is easily our best salesperson, and that's not a knock on anybody else we have on our staff. He's just he's just a go-getter. He puts his head down, and he just grinds. Um, but he's also a great communicator. He's not sleazy. He's not a used car salesman. He's just really good at what he does. But try to get him to go out to Colorado. At that point, he um, decided he and a buddy wanted to actually open up their own recruiting firm, and he did really well with that. Um, but after four or five years of doing that, kind of the timing was just right when we started hiring here. He realized he wanted to get back in sports, and so we made that connection again. Uh, had some beers at a bar. He came to the career fair, introducing some of our other staff member. And then once that time came where a job was open, I hired him. So, all right, I'll try to uh, you know work through some of the cracks, not to kind of double harbor on the Jim said right there, kind of tell my story in between. 
Uh, my name is Matt Mangel. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, born and raised there. Um, again, similar to Jim's story, big sports guy growing up. Hockey was my sport, a little bit of lacrosse here and there. Always wanted to be a professional hockey player. I got to around probably seventh or eighth grade, and I'm only 5'9 now, so much how small I was back then. Um, realized this is not for me. I probably should start thinking about how else I could be in sports growing up. Um, whatever, went through high school, uh, looking at colleges, I wanted to go to a, uh, a big sports school, uh, whatever that meant. I don't know, just like, you know, watching on TV. So, Tim, why did uh, you choose Rutgers? Well, <laughs> well, all right, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, back in those times, Rutgers was actually a national football powerhouse. I don't know if you guys are too young to remember that or not, but um, ultimately chose Rutgers due to, again, big athletics around 45 minutes from home. Thanks for that, Jim. And, uh, and they had sports management programs, kind of knew I'd be interested in it. So, I uh, went for that, got into school. Again, still didn't know what working in sports really meant. So I was like, you know what, let me do the sports management thing. And also at the same time, communications kind of overlapped a lot of the same classes. Like, let me just double in this while I'm at, just in case things don't work out in the end. Um, so able to get through with that, um, learn more and more about sports classes, but that's not really what it takes in sports in terms of working in sales. You know, they don't really teach you about that, and not in all schools at least. So the best thing about Rutgers was for senior year, we had a uh, requirement to give us like a senior internship and you couldn't graduate without it. So ultimately, it was, I had kind of a couple options there and decided to go with the Trenton Thunder, which is largely a baseball team for the Yankees up in Jersey. Um, went with that, it was kind of a rotational type internship to where they just throw you in, there's four of us to start, and then once summer hit, they bring in all like the younger kids to kind of, you kind of help groom them. So went through that, probably two to three weeks per department, and you get to kind of decide what you like the best throughout it. Um, and Jim mentioned earlier, minor league baseball, top to bottom, you do everything, it's a small staff. So the amount of duties that I can tell you that you guys probably wouldn't believe that I did working for that team is pretty crazy. Um, I was the head janitor for a couple games. I was sitting back behind the outfield wall, changing out those manual numbers for a couple games, pulling the tarps, walking dogs, uh, anything you can name, I was kind of doing it there. So uh, internship, like I said, we were doing PR, marketing, community relations, ticket sales, group sales, sponsorship, stadium operations. Um, towards the end of that, around nine months in there, went to graduation and realized kind of the best place I found my skill set and personality fit was in the sales realm. Um, so ultimately, upon completion of that, they, like, hey, we have these two sales positions open, one in the season ticket sales, one in the group sales side of things. Which way are you leading? You know, want to keep you on board. Um, at the time, my, I guess my mentor at the time, he was on the group sales side, so I was like, I want to work with my guy Patrick, I'm going to follow him, go in the group sales world. So. Stayed on with them beyond that first year. I was a group sales coordinator, and what that meant there was pretty much you're kind of like the assistant to the group sales reps. So while you're also selling and you know making your X amount of calls per day, your main responsibility is making sure that everyone else is taken care of first. So um, whenever you're trying to learn from everyone around you, seeing what they're doing, trying to mimic their their day in their day out attitudes, and um, really just the best way to kind of be in the grind while learning how to sell from just being around them and also operationally how things worked. Um, so I went through that my first year. Ultimately that led to the next role of selling full-time. Uh, and then after about a year and a half of that, uh, I was promoted to manage the group sales department there. Um, so that was after probably being there for like two-ish, two and a half years. Uh, so that takes us up to April of 2015. And then, so I was in a management spot for a few months there and then was approached by a, kind of a sport recruiter uh, about, hey, you know, the Miami Heat, LeBron just left Miami at the time, so that's probably the first question. Me and LeBron did not overlap at all. So, 
they're like, hey, you know, they're trying to build out their, their ticket sales team, group sales program. You kind of fit this mold. Do you want to interview for it? It's like, sure. Never been to Miami. It's, we'll, we'll get it hurt here, you know? Whatever happened, one thing led to the next. I got off of the Miami Heat. So I just kid growing up in Jersey, never been there. And I was like, it, it can't be that bad from what I heard about it. So I was like, went on a whim, took it, went down there. The rest is kind of history behind there. Um, spent around three, a little over three years working for the Heat um, in a strictly selling role for the group sales team. Uh, and that's where, in terms of developmentally, that's kind of where I, I would say I acquired most of my actual selling skills. I'll tell you this, in the minor league world, it was more of a get out there and just go 100 miles an hour for 100 hours a day. Um, the conversation, to be honest, it wasn't always there in the minor league, but it's more of a grit, a grind type of thing. And you just kind of put your head down and don't stop moving. And uh, again, like Jim said, I wouldn't be where I am without that, that minor league experience. Um, and just working hard day in and day out and you know, building relationships along the way. Um, so things changed the NBA, got to know a little bit more of what it was to like in the sports sales world and how it's, it, become, it became really fun at that point in Miami. Um, just learning from different sports trainers that come in, those around you who've been in the league, who went through the championship runs and all that. It just, all of a sudden it kind of just clicked and then from there it just had a really good time. Um, with that, uh, March, no, we'll go May 2018, um, after my time in Miami, it's kind of changing around there, so it was time to kind of, um, kind of see what I want to do next in my sports career. Uh, I love the city of Miami, didn't want to leave, wasn't ready to leave yet. So I had a buddy who worked, I think it was the Orange Bowl Committee. Um, and what they are, they're a local nonprofit in South Florida. Everyone knows them, obviously, for the big games, you TV once a year. So everyone's like, hey, you play one game a year, what do you do for the rest of the year? So the other 364 days a year, we're out there in the community hosting different events, whether it's youth football clinics or cheerleading competitions, and it's, I'm out in the community fundraising and kind of just a whole different aspect of the sports world that you don't think about when you know throwing into it. Um, but a, a great learning experience for me and being around people in the nonprofit world and kind of getting that fundraising aspect and community event. Again, learning more about the sports side of the world you don't think about in a team side, that ultimately kind of helps build back in when you kind of keep advancing. So that's another thing as you're going through, you know, the sports world, they'll call it how it is, every three to four to five years you might bounce around. But just as you're doing there, making your sales, making your money here in sales, or you know, PR, media, marketing, always make sure you're pulling something from everywhere you're going, everyone you talk to. Keeping those relationships open and just whatever way it is, whether you follow them on LinkedIn and like their posts, or if you're friendly enough, the other social medias, this and that, just stay in touch, they're always kind of in their head. Um, and I'll circle back that to the end of this, why it was so important for me and how it's not just a cliche that you kind of just say. Um, worked the Orange Bowl Committee through the, uh, the playoff game in 18, which was Oklahoma, Alabama, so Kyler Murray to a cool game there, semifinal game. Um, got through that, and then it turned back into the nonprofit world once the big game passed, and just got too slow for me. I'm a fast-paced person, being from New Jersey, I can't, I can't be moving that slow all the year around, so I knew I wanted to go back into the, uh, the team sports side of things. Uh, so kind of kept my eye open. I didn't want to, again, didn't want to rush into just any any job out there. I wanted to do what was right for me. Um, you can't just every couple months just pick a new job and keep jumping into it eventually. So you got to make sure it's something that you want. Go for it because you want it, not because you think it's the right thing on paper all the time. Um, do something you're, you're passionate about and it's going to see yourself being a good fit for in terms of the role, the learning experience, and, and just kind of your future, not always the exact, the exact minute. Um, Came down to it, it was the Sunday night of the NFL draft that we hosted here. I was still my time, I was like, you know what, Nashville is a pretty cool city, I can see me, I can see me going. Let me see what's going on with the Titans. Um, I had a buddy of mine from, where was at the Heat, who worked with the Titans for a couple years already, so I hit him up, kind of said, hey, there's an opening here, group sales, you know, that's kind of what I do. 
what's the rundown of this? Like, is it a good place to work? Are there good people here? And he kind of bashed him a little bit, but not too bad. Um, but not, not all seriousness. He uh, all good things to say in terms of the culture, kind of the direction of the team. As Jim mentioned, is a, a brand new group sales department, relatively speaking, four years old. Um, so I knew that meant a ton of opportunity to kind of bring my experience and really make an impact and not just be kind of a cog in a wheel. Um, so that was big for me, the, the growing, like there's a very high ceiling and we're kind of just getting started. Um, and then it just meant the, the crazy growth of the city of Nashville. So everything added up for me. I couldn't see a reason not to. Uh, again, I'm from Jersey. People in Miami, people in our office call me Miami Mango just to show how much of the city I loved it and like, what it would take for me to come to a new city. Um, so it all added up, came here. Uh, May, end of May of last year. So I've been here a little over a year now. Um, I was in a selling role up until this previous January, February, uh, before it's more shipping into the management role here. That's kind of my story. And to touch back on, again, keeping the relationships open, uh, probably the most first-hand advice I can give, every single job I've had since graduating, even my internship, I've known somebody either at the organization or knew somebody who knew somebody there, and I've never had a straight cold intro to it, like a gig whatsoever. So those things, again, everyone will come here and say them, but I can truly say every single position I've ever had, I've known somebody in some form that kind of at least put the interview, the resume across the table or knew somebody or could speak on my behalf. So that's uh, it's about my long story short there. And that's why I kind of touched on earlier, you know, this is this industry is really a lot about who you know. Uh, you know, that's maybe that's not right, maybe it's not. I mean, yeah. maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but... It's super important. I mean, every I'm with him. Most of the jobs that I've gotten to are because I, I've known somebody that can put in a good word or, or make an introduction. So um, that's why these trips, or just talking to people afterwards, or the LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. One thing I'll say about that is <laughs> when you're hitting people up, whether you're shooting them an email, social, LinkedIn, whatever it is, you want it to be kind of a mutual relationship. You don't want to just hit them up whenever you're looking for a job or whenever you need something. You know, try to find a connection with them, uh, whether it's you know, you're from the same area, you went to the same college, you found out they're fans of a, a team that you're a fan of, and just, you know, if you see something in the news about any of those, you know, reach out to them at that point. Or if you see that their organization, you know, got awarded something or won the Super Bowl or whatever it is, you know, broke an attendance record, reach out to them about that. Just, like he said, you want to stay top of mind so that when an opening does happen, you know, you apply for that, they're like, oh, okay, I recognize that name, I've talked to them. At the very least, you'll, I would assume that you'd at least get an interview at that point. Yeah, and like Jim mentioned, like a program seems like that you guys are in now, I'm very new to it, did some research last night on it. It seems awesome. I wish I had kind of something like this to kind of give me a, a framework of how to, how to kind of get started. I kind of just rolled the dice and ran with it and, you know, a couple lucky breaks here and there, but definitely keep listening to everything you guys are hearing here. And it's all, it's all real stuff and um, it couldn't overstress how much it applies. So let's touch upon COVID and what it has done in your role and where do we go from here? Oh, where's the start? So when I first got here, the team was awful, like awful. We won five games in two years. Um, since then, we've won, we've won nine and seven, four years in a row, which may not sound great, but last year we went to the AFC Championship. So um, before getting here, the last time that we even won a playoff game was 2003. Um, before we beat the Chiefs in 2017. So 2003 was the last time we won a playoff game. The last time we were in the playoffs before 17 was 2008. So for us to go to the AFC Championship last year was huge. Um, one of the biggest problems we run into in Nashville is nobody is from here. Like literally nobody is from here. If you look at our staff, we've got upstairs, downstairs. So we've got a sales team, a service team, and an operations team. 
we've got 34 people. There are two people that are from Tennessee. Not from Nashville, from Tennessee. Uh, and the closest ones, he was born in Cookville, which is an hour away. So uh, that just kind of shows you how Nashville is. So our job right now is to convince people like, okay, maybe you're, the Titans aren't your team, but we want the Titans to be your second team. So when we went to the AFC Championship, the city was just a buzz. It was on fire. I mean, the city kind of saw it a couple years ago when the Preds went to the Stanley Cup, uh, watch parties downtown, Preds gear everywhere. It was just like that for us last year. Um, whether you're a fan of the Titans or you're not, because you live in Nashville, you kind of got behind that train. So we had a ton of momentum after that. I mean, we were breaking sales records in January, February, even early March, and then tornado hits in March, things slow down, businesses start shut down because of that. Literally a week later, Gobert with the Jazz gets COVID, and everything shuts down the sports world. So we kept selling, but it was like record, 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 fell off a cliff. So we stayed in the office for a little bit, uh, I would say maybe two weeks at that point, and then um, let's, since Gobert, you're Tessa. Barely three days later, we're out of there. Was it? Yeah. So. <laughs> The NFL came out and said, this was an NFL call, they said, hey, we're shutting down uh, staffs. So every team had to send their staff home. So we went from crushing it, both in a PSL, a partial flex, and a group world, again, just breaking every record possible from a sales number to working from home. Uh, so for the first couple of weeks, we were scrambling. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Uh, we had no idea what we're doing, and that's me having 11 years in the industry, uh, sorry, I'm much older than that, like 16 <laughs> years in the industry, um, you know, and managed for probably most of that, uh, just because you, you don't go through something like this, so it probably took us a week or two just to kind of get our feet under us, um, but at that point, you know, we tried to make it from a sales aspect uh, as normal as possible, so reps were still calling, um, we set them up with Google Voice numbers, we have Microsoft Teams so they can do, we, we connect as a staff that way. Um, they can connect with prospects that way with Microsoft Teams or Zoom. Um, we have, <coughs> through their work line, they can text. We have a text app called ZipWhip, so they can do that from home. Um, you know, it, again, it was, it, was, it was odd. We started reaching out to a bunch of other teams to kind of see what they were doing. Um, and then, just because everybody's kind of separated, we, we knew that we had to keep everybody upbeat and positive, so for us, knowing that, it, I mean, it's inevitable, sales is gonna decline just because businesses are shutting down. So we wanted to make sure that people weren't losing their money going to start crazy at home. So we started implementing a bunch of fun things. So we do staff calls every Tuesday, Thursday morning. For a while, we did like an MTV Cribs thing. Everybody showed off their, their uh, house. Some of them were more interesting than others. Some of them borderline, crossing the line, PG-13 rated R. They crossed the line. We did uh, a talent show. Uh, which was fantastic, Drew, who we talked about earlier, um, dressed up as uh, Joe Exotic and actually <laughs> played the song uh, that was on the uh, Tiger Saw Man or whatever that song is, but just unbelievable. So we did stuff like that where we had people from the league actually wanted to be judges because they found out that we were doing this. Um, so we had people from the league offices on our judging panel. Um, and then we got recognized by the league. They um, put a whole PowerPoint together sales side, a service side, and a fun side, and send it out to all the teams. So for us, from not knowing what we were doing the first week or two, 
to then being recognized by the team uh, for everything that we were accomplishing during this time um, was huge in my opinion. And just to piggyback on that, and I'll kind of circle back. You know, I mentioned earlier finding a place to go to next for my next job that made sure it checked all my boxes, and company culture was one of those. And only kind of displayed right there is that we didn't know what what we were doing business-wise at the time because nobody did because of the pandemic. So we knew first things first, just take care of the people, keep everyone kind of happy and engaged. Uh, and it kind of just paid off since then. I mean, it was we got out for like four months or so. So the main focus was, I mean, you can't let everyone know that we didn't know what we were doing back there behind the scenes. Uh, but just make sure everyone, you know, keep the communication lines open. Just be honest uh, throughout it. So that was kind of the main COVID thing there. But uh, like Jim said, it's a matter of kind of just working together and just kind of trial and error through the COVID thing and just making sure that, you know, you kind of know your know your boundaries and know your staff and just make sure that people aren't in the dark for too long and um, just kind of keeping that going. You know, early on, I was about a month into my, my new role as kind of overseeing the department. So trying to learn that new role on the go while trying to learn how to manage remotely and everything in between. It's uh, the fun of the sports world. You never really know what you're going to get day in, day out, and that's, that's why we love it, just because it's not the same two days in a row. It's just not going to be like that. Any game, whether it's a game day, whether it's a non-game day, you, there's so many things that are well out of your control, and that's just what kind of keeps it live, and probably why we're all in the same room here today. And, and the one thing that we did, I mean, obviously our job is still to sell, so we continue to sell through that. It's just the tone of the conversations we had were changing. So we're not calling people to strictly sell them. We're calling them to check in, A, to make sure how they're doing. If they, you know, a lot of people have lost jobs. So um, from a job perspective, if they still have jobs, from a health perspective, if they're doing okay, if their family's doing okay. Um, and then a lot of it was just talking about football. You know, we, we re-signed Derrick Henry, um, or we tagged Derrick Henry at the time. We re-signed Ryan Tannehill. We had a pretty solid draft, so just talking about those things and more so just having everyday normal conversations with people, keeping those sales funnels full, knowing that, okay, we're probably not going to close a lot of business now, but at the time we thought this was only going to be a few weeks, so once we get back in the office and everything turns to normal, um, we can you know start closing a lot of those accounts. Um, so that, that's how the conversations went. <laughs> and then about a month and a half ago, we realized that um, we're going to be at limited so since then, we've actually shut sales down completely for this year, um, and all of our reps have been uh, kind of flipped to help our service team. Uh, so just kind of give you a, a background on our department. So we have a sales team of 19 people, um, myself, Mango, Joey, who couldn't be here today, so apologize for that, um, that manage different departments within there, um, and then the other 16 are reps selling for us. Downstairs, they've got a service team of seven people that so for the first year, we sell season tickets, partials, groups, um, and then we'll service that for the first year. After year one, anything that's sold on a full season basis gets kicked down to the service team, and from there on out, whether they're a season ticket member for two years or 57 years, the service team handles those accounts. And then we have an operations team that does all the, the back-end work with Ticketmaster running the box office, you know, printing, scanning tickets, parking, all, all the extra events that we do with concerts and Monster Jam and motocross and who knows what else. So that's kind of how the breakdown is there. So, but our staff is <coughs> has flipped to service at this point, and they're just helping uh, the service team because limited capacity. We don't know what that looks like yet. We're still waiting on the city and the NFL to kind of decide what that is. I mean, we propose plans. We're just waiting on approval. But um, obviously, we've got about 50, 55,000 season ticket accounts right now, season ticket members, so being a limited capacity, not everybody's gonna get a season ticket this year, so 
right now we're working through how, how do we get as many fans into the stands as possible? Uh, what does that look like? So obviously people have a ton of questions, so it's relocating them. Then we're also going all mobile this year. So our fan base is a much older fan base. So when I'm telling you we're going all mobile, that might not seem like a big deal. But when you're talking about 60, 70 year old season ticket members that probably don't own a smartphone, it's kind of a big deal. So we're getting a lot of those questions as well. So right now that's what everybody's doing. We're still only at 50% capacity, like I touched on earlier. So I'm still working from home. Uh, we've got 17 of our 34 people in the office right now. So we're still shorthanded. Can't have the box office open. So the, all the windows are closed. Everything's just done through phone and email. <coughs> um, we have to do temperature checks daily. We have to fill out a questionnaire daily. Um, twice. Twice. One online, one when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> Case things change. Um, we have, we're located at the, the, the stadium. Um, us and stadium operations are located at the stadium. Everybody else is at our headquarters, which is about 10 minutes away. Um, and that's where the players are at. Now the players came back to camp on the 28th. And so the NFL has this tiered system. So it's players, tier one, which is basically coaching. And then tier two is anybody who has to interact with the players or coaching. So if you're tier one or tier two, you get to stay at the practice facility. Everybody else now we're having to find new office space for them because they cannot come into contact with players because obviously we don't want them getting sick. Um, so it's, it's been crazy. We're still figuring it out um, from a, a sales and stadium and a season aspect. We're planning on having fans. Uh, we're planning to play a full season. We just uh, and we have we have several different contingency plans right now. We just until we hear from the city, we have no idea which one we're going to go with. So. What advice do you have for these guys who are in that group of a lot of people that are looking for a job in sports when a lot of them disappeared? First, I want to ask, who knows what they want to do? I'm guessing the rest of you don't, right? You just know you want to work in sports. Um, I would say. Again, trips, not to be the dead horse, but trips like this are very important. Um, a lot of teams do career fairs. Um, even through this time, they'll do career fairs. We do a career fair every year. Or they'll do networking events through Teamwork Online. Does everybody have a Teamwork Online account? Perfect. Um, connect on LinkedIn. A lot of the stuff that we had talked about already. It's making those connections. Because um, <laughs> there aren't going to be a lot of teams that are hiring right now, but you need to kind of build your portfolio, your resume, so that when that does happen, that you're gonna be on their mind, on somebody that, that they're looking to hire. Um, but don't give up. I, I would say for those that don't know what you wanna do, figure out what you're passionate about. Um, a lot of people think that, obviously sales departments and every sport uh, are typically the biggest department. So some people will tell you, hey, go with sales because that's the easiest way to get your foot in the door. Don't make that mistake. Yeah, don't do that. And if you tell me that in an interview, I'm not gonna hire you. Just being honest with you. Don't make that mistake because a couple reasons. A, if you're doing that just to get the foot in the door, you're probably not gonna like it. B, if that's not your passion, then you're probably not gonna be good at it. So that's why I say find what you're passionate about, whether that's sales, whether that's marketing, whether that's community relations, whether that's PR, whatever it is, just find what you're passionate about um, and then make connections that way. Um, anybody that you come in contact with, whether it's a rep, whether it's a VP, take them all seriously. You never know where they're gonna to be tomorrow. You never know where they're gonna be 10, 15, 20 years from now. Um, you may need their help, they may reach out to you. Um, but again, make those relationships 
mutually beneficial. Don't just hit them up whenever you need something as well. Yeah, you kind of go off that, you know, if you are, a lot of people reach out to us on LinkedIn, they want to have set up a call, ask about our job. When you have that, take a genuine interest and kind of be prepared going into it. Have a list of questions, do some research on the person, make it seem like that, you know, you actually want to know all about what they're doing and not just kind of setting it up and getting there and just like, hey, I'll tell you my experience real quick and then all of a sudden you're starting like two questions then you're out. That's, you're not gonna get any out of that, you know? Um, if you take a genuine interest in what the person reaching out to does for a living and how they got there, uh, just make sure you're well-versed and well-prepped on that stuff because I've had, in the past few months, I'm happy to hop on any call that someone reaches out for and the range of preparation is just, it's crazy. Some people, they won't even talk on the call. It's like, I'm glad to share my story with you. We're not getting out just by me telling a quick story. Um, if you have specific questions, roadmaps, something you want to do, even if not, just like general tips on career advice and getting started and building relationships, things like that. Just always kind of have a plan in place. Don't just set up a you know, random call or chain call messages just to say you did it. Just make sure you're getting something out of it and not just playing the numbers game on that. <laughs> That's the other thing I'll say too is don't be afraid to reach out and ask for, to have a conversation. Yeah. I probably have one or two every week throughout this time. Mm -hmm. Just some student at a random college that just wanted to pick my brain. Now obviously he's trying to find a job, he or she's trying to find a job, um, and I know that. Um, but I don't, I've, I've been in their shoes, we've been in your shoes, um, and we know what it's like. So if you ask me for a conversation, I'm going to at least give you that conversation. But I do expect you to come prepared. Um, like Matt said, out of all those calls, I've, I've done some phone calls, I've done some video calls, I've had lunch with a couple people. Um, there are people that literally will just show up. And so one lunch meeting I had, it was literally just us having lunch. Like, no, no questions. No, nothing. And when I left, I was like, I thought in my head, like, why, why was I there? Um, but people that come and have a ton of questions, like Matt said, super impressive. Um, you want to get the most out of those situations too, because it's not every day that you're going to have the ability to pick the brain, whether that's a rep, a manager, a VP, whatever it is. Um, just so, just know, come prepared, not only to benefit from it, but just be respectful. So um, this fall, I'm supposed to be working for like the premium seating for South Carolina, and like you're saying before, like season ticket holders, like you don't really know, like they're kind of old, you don't not be upset. What's something like advice you have for me with dealing with that? Like I guess, um, how do you explain to them like what the situation is and like how would it go about? You know, I guess with everything with COVID. I mean, a lot of it is um, you need to get to know those people, and I'm not saying spend hours on the phone with mm -hmm. each one, but try to find something personal about them, mm -hmm. try to relate to that, just find their have a normal conversation with them, you know, kind of see how COVID's been for them, both from a, a professional standpoint and a health standpoint, and just kind of go from there. But I wouldn't just, whether you're trying to sell home service, whatever it is, I wouldn't just jump into whatever your pitch is supposed to be. Because um, with these current times, like, I think it's going to change how we operate moving forward as a sales department. Um, so you, you want to do a lot of listening at first and just get to know them before you kind of go into your spirit. Okay. So we, uh, right now, like I said, we're, we're service, but we're gonna, typically we don't start selling for the following season until after January 1. We're actually gonna start selling October 1 this year. So once October 1 hits, we are full go for 2021 sales, uh, as far as P 
PSLs, partials, groups, whatever it is. Um, now, depending on where we're at from an economy standpoint and both a football season standpoint with fans, um, that's going to impact that. But that's kind of our plan. I know we're not going to make up for all the lost revenue, um, but by giving us a four-month you know, head start, we're hoping that that helps with 2021 sales. Um, even if it's just having conversations and building those funnels so that once the springtime comes and hopefully by then we have a vaccine, that a lot of people will be ready to, to put money down for us. Hey guys, I'm going to jump in here and cut the episode. We will release the second half of this discussion with Jim and Matt from the Titans tomorrow, August 19th, where we will dive into the Q&A section talking all things sport business. Hope you enjoyed today and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. If you're interested to learn more, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.